welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Howdy, folks. Thanksgiving is a week away. I want to thank all of you for listening, sharing, and subscribing over the last eight years. It's been a pleasure for me to do these, and I've made a lot of friends along the way. One of those friends is Maria Ganai. She and I just launched our Scrappy Marketing for Life Science Startups. It's a digital guide to help with your go-to-market strategy. The feedback has been very positive. Someone on your holiday list needs this, and the best part is it's free. I'll put a link in the show notes where you can get a copy. Now, let's jump into this conversation around innovation of business models. Dave Brock is the author of The Sales Manager Survival Guide and the CEO of Partners in Excellence. David, welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio. Oh, Chris, thanks so much. I really appreciate the invitation. This is the first time I've been on a life sciences podcast. It, it's, I'm a little apprehensive, but I feel flattered that you're inviting me. Prepare to be overwhelmed with massive emails. So <laughs> we're going to talk today about innovation, but less on the product and service side and more around business models and go-to-market strategies. So give us an example of that kind of innovation that we're talking about. Yeah, you know, and his, well, just kind of my backup, you know, innovation is a hot topic in everything these days. And most of the times when we think about innovation, we think about Dr. Christensen's work at Harvard and disruptive innovation. But I think we in kind of sales, marketing, and customer experience forget the opportunities of how we can innovate both within our organizations and help our customers. So examples of innovation might be changing our routes to market. The other day I was talking to a CRO of a robotics company and they were stymied with kind of their growth and things like that. And when we started exploring, well, this is the way you've gone to market. What if you started looking at it this way? And it was one of those kind of simple ideas that created an aha moment. And the interesting thing is a lot of these times the time to implementation and time to result is very quick. The, this gentleman called me up about a month later and he said, Dave, I took your idea and I've started talking to people about this. And all of a sudden we have new partnerships and we, in effect, expanded our sales force by 400%. And so again, I think we get caught up in, get, become prisoners of our own experience and sometimes we forget to think differently. So when you say expanded the sales force by 400% in a virtual sense, and I don't just mean that online, but by talking to the right people and getting them talking about the product, well, for example? And, and he actually signed uh, up uh, dealership relationships, uh, some organizations in kind of a parallel business where they were looking for how to expand their offerings uh, to their customers. And it turned out this CRO's offerings were a premier expansion to what they were doing. And so it was a real win-win proposition. You know, they had something new and innovative that they could sell. And my client, you know, was trying to say, how do I expand my sales force and how do I manage the cost of doing this? And so it was just thinking differently about the whole problem. 
Yeah, I can imagine. You know, I know how long it takes to develop a new product. And there still have to be things thought through and executed to change your go-to-market strategy. But clearly this example shows like it doesn't take years to get it off the shelf, right? If you talk to the right people. Yeah, I, I think, that again, a lot of the great writing and great research around this topic is, you know, again, it focuses on disruptive type innovation. What's new to the world? Recently, we've seen something called incremental innovation, which is really continuous improvement, which we should be doing all the time. But there's, you kind of look at those as two ends of the spectrum. And there's this place I call in between, it's the innovation grace space. And those are opportunities for us to really start thinking differently. So rather than new to the world, it may be new to us, or it may be new to our customers or new to our market. And it may be something simple like a change in go-to-market strategy. It might be as something as maybe a slight change to our business model. It might be something like maybe applying a product in a slightly different way in, in kind of life sciences space, particularly in, in kind of medical and biomaterials. We see this all the time. We see, you know, the examples, I'm not sure I like using it and hopefully I won't offend any of your listeners, but you look at the product Botox and Botox has been reinvented so many different times. It started out as I understand as some sort of very special treatment for uh, muscular problems. And then it migrated into making my face look prettier, which is a, a, a real problem. And now it's migrated into kind of, I think, migraine headaches and all. So it's a really okay. interesting thing about how we took a basic product application and applied it in very different ways. So again, I think the challenge we have is to look at this innovation gray space and just start thinking differently. How do we look at a new market, maybe a product, new channel, slight change to our business model, uh, a slight change to what, the way we think about things and say, how might this help us grow or how might this help our customers grow? What's the trigger for an executive to say, maybe we should look elsewhere for ideas? Now, you mentioned a client that was just sort of plateaued on the growth curve, maybe. And so that would certainly be one. What other types of scenarios get people started to go, what, what else can we do? I, I think it's kind of when we're kind of hitting the brick wall of growth, where we've done everything that we, we can, you know, doing things. You know, today we seem to have strategies of how do we do more? And it's a volume and velocity a kind of strategy. So how do we reach more customers? How do we expand our presence and so on and so forth? So it's constantly doing more emails, phone calls, blog posts, and those kinds of things. And at some point that breaks down. And then what you do is you start looking, the next thing in the cycle is uh, how do we do better, which is really improving kind of productivity and performance. So. For instance, with a lot of my clients, we look at things like, well, how do we improve our win rate? And that enables us to grow, or how do we increase our average deal size? So you kind of go through cycles of doing more that starts slowing down, then you do better. And it's something you cycle through that, you know, if I improve my win rate, I start doing more of improving my win rate and that breaks down. And at some point you reach a limit to with everything that you're doing. 
you aren't growing as much as you'd like to grow. So then you have to think of how do we do it differently? And it's in that when you start confronting the question of how do we do it differently, that you start looking at innovation. Again, I think, you know, this is really something that I think it's a top leadership, whether it's sales, marketing, customer experience, sometimes product management might be involved. And so on, like I'm working with a few medical devices companies right now and kind of looking at that. And, you know, we have a team of people of sales, marketing, customer experience, and some product management and some strategy people to think about how do we think about our markets differently. Uh, a couple of years ago, I worked with a large company that we decided to have a strategic partnership with one of their key customers and said, how can we help you look at your markets differently and help you grow? And the result of that created a huge derivative demand on my client. And all because the customer all of a sudden saw these aha moments of new ways they could, could grow and it rippled through to, we need your offerings to help us do this. Um, so you talk about something called artful plagiarism around innovation. Describe what you mean by that idea. So the way it started out was actually strange. I was doing a project for one of the largest semiconductor companies in the world, and they were looking at the issue of innovation and change and so forth. And I happened to also be doing a project with an extreme sports company. You know, they manufacture really cool stuff that allow you to do really crazy kind of sport things and all that. But they were looking at the same product problem of creativity and innovation and growth. And I decided to get the, the two of them. I said, you're looking at the same problem. What if we get the two of you in the same room? And so you can imagine we were in the conference room with a semiconductor company and all along one side of the table were all these people in powder blue shirts and cocky pants, kind of the uniform of the company. On the other side of the table were these interesting looking people. They were in, in sleeveless vests and full sleeves of tattoos and the visible piercings were in interesting places. And they were kind of looking at each other. And then they'd look at me and you could see in their eye, some of them were mouthing it saying, what am I doing in this place? And so we kind of looked at each other apprehensively. And so we kicked it off and started getting into some discussions. I asked each one of them, I said, tell me how in your industry, you think about creativity, some of the things that you're already doing. Uh, some of the things that have worked really well for you in the past. And so each side started describing what they did as just normal practice. And what happened is on each side of the table, as they listened, they said, hey, what you're doing is something nobody in our industry or markets have ever thought of before. If we take what you're doing as kind of standard practice, and adapt it and tweak it for our marketplace, it's new and different and will allow us to stand out. So the people on the extreme sports guys said, you know, semiconductor guys are doing a few interesting, cool things. We'll adapt it to, to our markets and vice versa. The semiconductor guys were saying, as weird as you look, there's some interesting ideas here. We can adapt it to, to our markets. And so that's what I call 
artful plagiarism. What you do is you take ideas and things that are working in a very different space than you're at. Say, how might I take those and not copy them, but tweak them and adapt them to be new for me? And as we run a number of projects around that concept, we find it's generally to get widely diverse industries. You can't go to an industry right next to you. So I couldn't go from biomaterials and medical products to medical devices. It's too adjacent to each other. But I could go from, say, medical devices to the fashion industry or to maybe high technology software, uh, or I could go from professional services to basic materials, people who make yeah. chemicals and oil and things like that. And if we start seeing what each of those people are doing and say, hey, I could tweak this and it might be cool in my industry. So that's what I call artful plagiarism. Yeah, I like that. And so you're sort of leading into my next question is, aside from a chance meeting or getting help from someone like you, how would a company think about who else, what other companies would be a good partner for us to set up some kind of interaction, workshop, brainstorm? I think there are a couple of places. Again, I think this concept of artful plagiarism is one technique you can use to innovate. There are some other techniques. First place I would go to is our customers, particularly our leading edge customers. The ones that are thinking differently, that are always pushing the envelope and say, how can we work together to look at something that's new and different within our marketplaces and so on. So for instance, a number of years ago, I was involved with a large technology company. And they were looking at exploring kind of a new technology and a new application. So we went to one of their key customers and said, would you like to explore this with us? And they did. We had this project that went on for maybe about nine months. And what it did was it enabled things that this customer had never been able to do with their customers before. And it enabled my client to actually develop a new offering that they could take to the rest of the customers around the world. And without that kind of partnership, they wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been as easy to discover and the risk would have been much higher. That's one way of doing it. So look at your customers, particularly the ones that always seem to be pushing the envelope and, and figure out how you can work with them. The other thing is start hanging out in different places. By that, I mean, most executives I talked to, when they looked at how do we think differently, well, they looked at their competition or they look at people in their industry or their market. We spent a lot of time looking at each other and copying each other and trying to do the things. And we don't do anything different. We just, you know, keep stair-stepping each other. Start hanging out in different marketplaces. Every once in a while, I said, go to a really different trade show or a really different conference. Walk the uh, halls and see what people are talking about and think about, what if I tried this in my marketplace, in my industry, and so on. And it's not something you do on a regular basis, you know, maybe if you look across the executive team and if you're say, say in this semiconductor business is there's the toy show in New York every, every, I think it's May or so. 
why don't you send somebody to the toy show and see what they're thinking about and talking about? Or you know, the software conferences, or you know, go to basic materials conference and things like that. And go that to that across variety of different industries and just walk and learn and see what they're doing. Be curious and say, why don't we try some of these ideas in our, our space? I think one of the, the great joys I get out of the consulting business is we work with very diverse customers, the biggest organizations in the world and some creative startups. We work literally around the world. So we see things that may be done in China that we could say, Hey, what if we tweaked that and adapted it and we could do it in Europe or something like that. And we, and we go across a diverse set of industries. So I have all these experience, but sometimes people think I'm smarter than I really am. But I just said, I saw this when I was visiting a large company in Johannesburg, it's kind of a clever idea. How can we tweak it in help you? Yeah. So well, a couple of things I'm thinking on that first thing, I mean, sort of what you get out of being a podcaster is everybody thinks you know more than you do, but it's yeah. really, I know all the smart people now. And then going back, I'm thinking, you know, I have a bias towards looking at consumer sort of companies when you're talking about going to other shows. And so the one that pops up for me and I've never been is the National Association of Musical Manufacturers. Yep. And I've seen clips of that conference and nothing really stands out to me except that I think it would be fun and probably a very different group of people, kind of like your yep. extreme sports folks for the life science industry. Yeah, I think you raised an interesting point is if you look at complex B2B, so much of what we do in complex B2B has actually been adapted from consumer packaged goods, consumer and retail type businesses, because they, they tend to be pushing the edge of how we engage customers and so on and so forth. So you can learn a huge amount from that. And this, this may be a really weird idea for your audience, but I happen to serve on the board of directors of a music organization. They create uh, feature films, they run concerts, it's all in, in the area of hip hop and so on and so forth. They make money out of kind of the entertainment business. And through that, I've met a real, a number of really fascinating artists. And so you start talking to them about how do you do things, you know, and they, they're business people. They're in the business of entertaining, whether it's making music, making films and things like that. Yeah. And every once in a while on some of our innovation sessions, I bring one of the, not only are they cool people to people that are guests meeting them, geez, I see you're in the top of the charts and you make really cool music. But we start talking about their business and how they do business. And then these B2B people start talking about their things and we start sharing ideas. So it's, it's only kind of curiosity and looking in different non-traditional places. And some of the, the coolest ideas have really been in these, these weird spaces where I get artists literally, or even I had somebody from New York City Ballet one time. We started about curiosity and creativity and new ideas. And then we start saying, how can we take this? And how does that make us think differently? 
Yeah, I love it. And I just see the general shift. We're all being trained as consumers by Amazon and Netflix and whatever. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, that shift is taking over everywhere. All right. So two companies are going to meet like this, as in the examples you have given. What can what should a company do to prepare for something like that? How should they think in advance of that type of interaction? I, I think I think they should be thinking about what do we want to learn from these people? You know, so for instance, as we look at, say, key issues that we're confronting, how do we grow? How do we address new markets? How do we do things differently? They should kind of think about what are the top tier three challenges they're facing or the problems they're trying to address. And when they sit down with these people in a very different company, a very different industry, ask how they do that and be curious dive into it a little bit, not just the surfacey stuff of this is what we do, but why do you do it that way? What does it mean to your customer? What were the things you had to do to be successful at doing those things? So dive in and, and do that and make sure the other company you're talking to is thinking about the same thing. So you both get something out of this thing and you both learn. It really is a fundamental to kind of curiosity. But I, I like to call it kind of focused, not aimless curiosity, but focused. So what are the top three, two, three issues that you're really struggling with? And look at how people in very different industries, markets, professions deal with those same challenges. Because it's really interesting. They actually do deal with the same challenges. It's in a very different context, and maybe with a very different audience. But that's how we can learn and start tweaking it to say, how does it help us think differently? Nice. I love it. A great place to wrap up. Dave Brock, this has been really fun for me, a super conversation. And I want to thank you for sharing all your experience and expertise today. Super. Well, thank you. It's such a privilege. Again, this is new experience for me. I'm interested to hear people's reactions to it. So thank you so much for inviting me, Chris. My pleasure. Regular listeners of this podcast will not be surprised that I'm a big fan of looking outside life science for new ideas about how to do things, including, but not limited to, marketing. And going to those other conferences is going to be fun, right? As you look around inside our industry, think of two people who would benefit from subscribing to this podcast. I'd be very grateful if you'd share it with them. I'll be back in two weeks with another Can't Miss episode. Bye-bye.